Welcome to another edition of the Ted Brower Show. It's Monday, July the 20th, 2015. We're doing a worldwide broadcast today. So I hope you enjoy the show today. We're going to be covering a lot of news. Two weeks ago, I was privileged to be with the Celebrate America group in Washington, D.C. And I'm going to start off this show this morning by talking about this broadcast this morning and by talking about what we discussed in Washington, D.C. concerning the Supreme Court. And we're going to be talking about that a little bit more in detail today. But I want to read you what I had written. And a lot of this is a, is a culmination of a bunch of different authors that had written a lot of different stuff. And I've kind of put it all back together and rewrote it to myself, rewrote it for myself and added a bunch of stuff to it. And so it's a bunch of different ideas about what America is and what happened with the Supreme Court ruling. And I just wanted to read this to you this morning because I started off that night reading this particular topic, talking about this particular topic. And it's live. If you want to go to the website, you can link to this, and we'll actually show you the actual presentation that I did. Let me read this to you. America was founded on a biblical cornerstone. George Washington warned us, if we ever turned from God, that his blessings would be removed. Thousands of years ago, Israel rejected God. They offered their children to Baal to be sacrificed on the altars of Lucifer. They bowed their knees to a foreign god. Actually, they bowed their knees to many foreign gods. And all of it went back to Luciferian worship. God's provision left them. As a nation, they were scattered. America has done the same. We have literally profaned the sacred by going against the word of God by the Supreme Court ruling. And our hands as a nation are covered in the blood of the 60 million aborted innocents. What we were warned never to become, we have become and we have done what we were told not to do. As a nation, we have become what Washington and the word of God warned us about. We have become a schizophrenic, bipolar country. We fight against the very values that created this country. The fact that our highest court, and I'm going to say this very clearly. I'm going to stop for just a second reading this. I don't call this the Supreme Court. The Supreme Court puts this court above the word of God. It puts this court above God himself by saying it's supreme. God's word is supreme as far as I'm concerned. The Supreme Court is not. The Supreme Court is a group of men that we put together that by any stretch of the imagination is not supreme. And we're going to talk about that in detail today on the show. So here's what I want to point out about this. I'm going to use the court of the United States or the highest court in the United States in this particular topic that I'm talking about this morning. I'm not going to call it the Supreme Court. I refuse to do so. The fact that our highest court struck down the word of God and exalted itself above God is something that I cannot morally or, fathom, or spiritually fathom. A man-made court cannot override the word of the living God. Let me ask you a question. Since this man-made court has passed judgment on the word of God, should God not now pass judgment on America? God is not a man that he should be mocked. A man will always reap what he has sown. This court has sowed seed against the creator of the universe himself. During his inauguration, Mr. Obama swore his oath on the word of God. But after the ruling of this man-made court had rainbow lights installed on the White House, Choose you this day who you're going to serve, Baal or God Almighty, Mr. President. I come before all of you this morning and I say, our God is not Moloch. Our God is not Baal. Our God is not the government. Our God is not sodomy, sin, money, or political correctness. Our God is the God of Isaac, Abraham, and Jacob. Our God sent Jesus back to bring to us, to bring us back to him through his atonement. He alone is the rock on which this nation was founded. This morning I say to you, I will not bow my knee to the filth of the cesspool that is political correctness, which is as unstable as shifting sand. 
But I think we all should learn in the aggregate as Christians in the United States to bow down our knee to the creator of the heavens and the earth, for there shall never be any other gods above him. We need to trust in Jesus the Messiah, and we need to believe that God Almighty himself will send forth his fire of the Holy Spirit, as in the book of Acts, and this nation will have another great awakening. And by doing so, these blasphemous laws and rulings will be removed, and God will once again restore our nation. Now, I want to share something with you very quickly. Here's the whole point of me reading that this morning. You know, I've been pretty neutral on this entire topic concerning the gay marriage. All of this. I, you know, I'd be honest with you, it really wasn't something that showed up on my radar. You know, we've had Sodom and Gomorrah and that type of sin here since the beginning of time, and it's been addressed many times in the Bible in both the New and the Old Testament. But the problem I have with the Supreme Court ruling is, number one, Bader and Ginsburg should have recused themselves. And we'll be reading an article on that in just a moment because they were already politically, how should I say, and socially and spiritually and philosophically tainted by their rulings before the rulings even took place. And we didn't even know if they were going to be involved if they had recused themselves. They should have recused themselves because of their stance on this before they made the ruling for the rest of the country. And we're going to go into detail on why that happened in just a few minutes. But what I also want people to realize is this. This line has been drawn in the sand. Back in 1960, in the early 60s, when the prayer was taken out of the school, my parents stood by when I was a young child. I was like seven years old when this happened. My parents stood by and allowed this to happen. There wasn't this massive protest in Washington. There wasn't the, you know, the removal of the Supreme Court off the bench. There was none of this. There was not, called, there was not a, a, you know, a, a petition going out for their recall. None of this happened back in the 60s. And then in 73, when Roe v. Wade happened, we ended up in a situation where we decided that we wanted to just accept abortion, and we really didn't do anything. Though there were protests around the country and scattered protests. Again, there was no massive upheaval or outcry from the American people. Well, the problem with all of this stuff is with the Supreme Court ruling is this. Because of the status of the 5013C corporations in the United States, there's a real high probability now, because of the highest ruling of the land, and many scholars have already talked about this, that they can now come in, if a, if, a, if a gay couple comes in and they want to have the church marry them and the church refuses to do that, there's a high probability, possibility, that they're going to sue the church. And the, and the churches are going to be completely just tied up in all of these lawsuits. And see, what happened when they made this the law of the land by this man-made court, what ended up happening is it changed everything. And if Christians don't stand together in the aggregate now, I mean, you know, as Christians, we're told we're supposed to love one another, be compassionate with one another, and basically just tolerate one another, if no other by their words. But we need to understand that, you know, there's a certain point where we have to draw the line in the sand. And we can't allow our very institutions to be brought into civil litigation concerning a topic that was already settled long ago in the Word of God. Even, even Sodom and Gomorrah, as far as the research that we can do in the Bible, didn't ordain, you know, gay marriage. I mean, so now we're kind of doing something past Sodom and Gomorrah, though I must admit now, this is thousands of years ago this happened with Sodom and Gomorrah, so we really don't know the actual research that was done into that area and how much of that actually was actually allowed by the government at that time. But, you know, we need to talk about this today. we got a bunch of stuff we're going to cover today. Now, I want to jump topic real quick because I've got my iPad down here in front of me. And I want to go through a bunch of different news stories that I think are really important and relevant this morning. And I want you guys to realize that one of the most important things that are pressing us right now in the United States is this entire nonsense of GMO foods. 
the GMO foods are going to destroy this country because they're going to destroy the people. They actually change your DNA. They change your genetics. There's a process called epigenetics in which changed DNA is transferred to your offspring. We've seen that repeatedly. We saw that with the Simeon 40 vaccine with the polio virus back in the 60s in which a lot of the parents were given a contaminated virus which had contaminated monkey kidney cells that, were, that contained cancer cells. And what ended up happening is this simian simian 40 virus that was transmitted through the polio vaccine has been shown now to show up in the DNA of the children of the parents that were given this virus. And it's increased, massively increased the breast, bone, and brain cancer rates in the United States. Now, of course, we know that aspartame has massively increased brain cancer rates because when you combine aspartame, which is in diet sodas, when you combine aspartame with nitrite, so if you go out and have a pepperoni pizza or a diet soda, you combine those two, you actually can form, from a neurochemistry standpoint, a compound called a dikidiopeperazine. That degrades in what's called a nitrosurea, and nitrosureas are one of the most effective agents known to man for producing malignant brain tumors in laboratory animals. So you really have to stay away from diet sodas. It's absolutely critical. Plus, because they contain aspartic acid, and there's an aspartic receptor in the brain that actually releases dopamine upon the ingestion of the aspartame, it's more of a brain entrainment molecule. And so when you're watching TV and you're sitting there and you're in your alpha brainwave state, which is being called caused by the TV set, and you're ingesting this aspartame-containing liquid, this, this diet soda, you get a massive increase in dopamine. And so you get into a really, into an alpha brainwave state in which you're like in a sub-hypnotic, suggestible state that allows you to believe all the lies that you're seeing on TV. The TV set has become the single biggest propaganda tool in the United States, actually globally. And it's bad, especially now with the high-def rates, high-definition TVs, and the flicker rates and how they affect the brain chemistry. You really need to avoid television as much as you possibly can and get your news from the alternative news sources like this show. We're doing our best to bring you one of these broadcasts every single day. We're doing our best to get back up on satellite instead of just on, on YouTube alone. And we're also trying to distribute these news shows every single day as far as we can across the Internet. Because I want people to realize that we don't have to listen to the mainstream news. It will tell you to take these drugs. And these drugs will cause all of these horrible side effects. Because remember this, in the mainstream news, the vast majority of the radio and TV stations in the United States now are owned by a few corporations. They control the entire media in the U.S. and pretty much globally about 95%. They also control through, interlock through interlocking corporate directorships a lot of the pharmaceutical corporations. I know me personally, I used to be able to get on a lot of major talk shows back in the 90s before they were all pushed together into these giant conglomerates. And then suddenly I was like pulled off and alternative practitioners were pulled off because we were basically told that, you know, we weren't allowed to be on that show anymore. Now that's kind of nuts that you're not allowed to be on the show. But this is what some of the producers have told us, that they've had actual people come in from some of the major corporations and say, you can bring him on, but he can't talk about this. You can bring him on, but he can't talk about that. And the reason that's happened is because the same banks, the banksters, that control the pharmaceutical corporations who own them through their interlocking corporate directorships and, and through the stock purchases they've done with their fiat currency are the same ones that own the pharmaceutical corporations. This is the same thing that happened in Nazi Germany. Actually, it wasn't Nazi Germany. It was the Weimar Republic in the early 20s in which the bankers came in, started printing huge amounts of money, staying in front of the inflation curve. This is what we heard talk about, the hyperinflation of the Weimar Republic. And this, these banks actually were able to stay ahead of the, the, the inflation curve and buy up all of the blue chip stocks and a lot of the gold and silver in Germany. Completely destroyed Germany because of the Versailles Treaty. People need to understand 
that World War II would never have happened had it not been for the Versailles Treaty. And I realized that Hitler planted the seeds of fascism globally, and a lot of that's still affecting the United States today because of Operation Paperclip, and when they brought all the German Nazi scientists and political leaders and all these different people back into the United States. But the truth is, none of that stuff would have happened had it not been for the fact that the United States was in a situation in which it actually was allowed to participate in all of these different things with the Versailles Treaty, though the United States wouldn't ratify it. So the German people got put into a major, major mess with the Versailles Treaty and ended up in a situation where they were basically broke. And that's one of the reasons that Adolf Hitler had such a problem with the banking community of Europe because they were enslaving people. Look what's happened to Greece. We'll talk about that in a few minutes. I mean, we've all become Greeks now. The entire, almost every country in the world has been enslaved by the international banking cartel, which pretty much owns everything because of the use of fiat currency. And we can talk about that in another show, but all of you who are listening to this show this morning, you're pretty aware of that anyhow, and you already, you already know what I'm talking about is accurate. There's a really good book you can read. It. There's all kinds of good books on this. You can read The Creature from Jekyll Island. That's an excellent book. You can always also read The Unseen Hand, which talks about this in detail. They say, well, you're starting to sound like a conspiracy theory. There's no conspiracy about any of this stuff I've told you this morning. Everything I've told you this morning is just, just straight fact. And so I don't want you to think that I'm, I'm, I'm dealing in facts on this show. I'm not dealing in conspiracy. But when you look at what's happened in the United States and all the things that are going on in the United States, people need to realize that there's some things that, you know, aren't actually the way they're supposed to be here in the U.S. And if we're not careful, we're going to continue to slide into fascism and we're going to be in a situation where uh, we are not going to be the country that we once were. And a lot of people feel we've already lost that. That's why I read you that statement in the beginning, because I want you to realize that if we don't do something as a nation pretty quickly, that the United States simply is going to cease to exist if it already hasn't ceased to exist. So that's why I recommend that you go ahead and you do uh, your own research on what I'm talking about this morning and you realize that Monsanto needs to be stopped. The Monsanto Protection Act, let me read you this real quick. This is interesting. And yet another blatant show of support for Monsanto, members of the U.S. House on Agriculture signed off on a bill intended to, intended to permanently shut down the GMO labeling movement. They don't want you to know that they're feeding you products that after 40 to 50 days, feeding it to mice, cause cancer tumors all over the mice. Though in the third generation, these mice can no longer reproduce, and they've got all kinds of abnormalities and all kinds of genetic defects. The committee took only 17 minutes to push, push H.R. 1599 toward a full House vote, expected to take place early this coming week. We need to all be calling our Congress guys up and say, don't allow this to happen. Members justified their votes on the basis of lies. Official statements issued by the committee chairman representative K. Michael Conway, Republican out of Texas, and Republican Colin Peterson, Democrat out of Minnesota, were dangerously cra dis disingenuously crafted to make consumers think that the purpose of this bill, the mother of all Monsanto Protection Acts, is to give consumers what they want, labels on foods containing GMOs. From Peterson's statement, consumers increasingly want to know about where their food comes from and how it is produced. I think H.R. 1599 satisfies that demand by also recognizing that we know about the safety of foods that our farmers produce. H.R. 1599 doesn't come close to satisfying consumer demand for labeling. It creates the framework for a government-run, voluntarily labeling scheme while shutting down states' rights to require mandatory labeling. Who in their right mind believes that the corporations that spent hundreds of millions of dollars to keep their labels off their GMO foods are suddenly going to voluntarily label them after this bill passes? Conaway and Peterson's statements perpetuated the lie that GMOs have been thoroughly tested and proven safe, and the issue of Montana Santos glyphosate, this is the Roundup product, the toxic chemical used on more than 80% of GMO foods, 
being officially classified as probably cancerous to humans. They barely ever mention that. What we need to realize is, you know, we can't allow the government and our representatives to cow down to these major corporations like this and not give us a right. I mean, so many countries in Europe have already banned GMO foods. They don't want them there. They don't want this Franken food. Russia has completely banned the importation of Franken foods. He wants to go totally, pretty much organic or back to genuine seeds in Russia. You know, Putin does. I mean, when does Russia lead the world as far as freedom of information? I mean, when did that? When did all that happen? How how did we get into a situation like this? Well, let me go ahead. I want to go. I want, I've got a bunch more stories to talk to you about this morning because I'm I'm going to run out of time pretty quick. But let, let me go ahead and start going through this. We're going to start back on this first thing in the morning. We'll re, we'll re, recover a few cover a few things. This is an article that was written. It's pretty good. It's by Greg Calise. And he was talking about throughout recorded history, humankind have had very short lifespans and how we now are beginning to get older and supposedly wiser, but we really aren't. And then he talks about, here are a few of the statistics of literacy in America. He says, 50% of U.S. adults are unable to read at the eighth grade level. I believe that. I was a college professor, gosh, 35 years ago for two years in Tallahassee after I graduated from Florida State. And I could not believe how many children were being pushed out of high school, this is 35 years ago, who had bad, bad, bad reading skills. Some of them were basically illiterate. And they had been pushed through the academic systems in Tallahassee and Leon County and been given D's to pass and had gotten through high school and ended up getting out and they couldn't read. I would give them true-false questions on exams and they would leave them blank. I had to try to explain to them that if they left them blank, they were going to get them wrong, and there was a 50-50 probability of getting them right if they just answered the question. Some of them actually couldn't get that concept. And that was 35 years ago, and we've done nothing but dumb down the population even more and more and more since then. So we have to understand that the educational system is basically being used against us in the United States, especially through Common Core and all the nonsense they're teaching. 33% of U.S. high school graduates will never read a book after high school. I believe that. 42% of college students will never read another book after they graduate. That's sad. That's really sad. 80% of the U.S. families did not buy a book this year. I believe that. 70% of adults have not been in a bookstore in the past five years. <laughs> I believe that. American high school students today are reading books intended for children with reading levels of a 10-year-old. I told my children the other day, I've got a, a 12, a 14, and a 16-year-old. And my 16-year-old's in dual enrollment already, you know, to college. He's basically doing high school and college at the same time. He's finished 28 or 29 hours now at the end of his sophomore year of high school in college. And he has a 4.0, and he reads all the time. My other girls are 12 and 14, and they read all the time. And finally, I told him the other day, I said, look, girls, I said, you've got to stop reading all of this mental candy stuff. You've got to stop reading stuff like The Hunger Games and all this other stuff. You've got to start reading real books. And not, not that, don't get me wrong. I'm glad they're reading. I'm glad they're reading something like The Hunger Games. At least they're reading something. And at least it's not all pro-government propaganda with The Hunger Games. But the point is, you've got to learn not to stick your life and read mental candy if you are reading. There are some things you need to be looking at that you need to be reading. We'll be covering these through these shows and through these, these broadcasts and telling you what I like to read and the books that I've read and what I'm currently reading. That's, these are interesting. Now, here's something that I've been talking about for years. It's about chlorine in swimming pools and about the health hazard that it is. And it says that research is now indicating that chlorine can create disinfection byproducts, which can cause DNA damage and cancer. 
And it says the World Health Organization states there are three ways for chemicals to enter the body. Their inhalation, digestion, and absorption. When it comes to swimming, the possibilities exist for all three. And it talks about how chlorine can cause serious breathing problems and eye problems if, if it's over-concentrated in swimming pools. And what I always tell folks is this. Two of the things on my top ten list of foods never to eat are chlorine and fluoride. Fluorine, fluoride has been shown now, especially with the hydrofluorosilicic acid that's coming out of fertilizer production and aluminum production, it's been shown repeatedly to reduce IQ scores in children, so much to the point that the United States government's actually halved the amount of fluorine, fluoride that they're putting into the water supply simply because they're realizing it's dumbing down the population too much. <laughs> I guess you have to have a slave class that's able to work and follow directions, and if you don't have, a, if you have too much chlorine and too much fluorine in the water and food supply, they have to make sure that you know, they get it back out so we don't all get so stupid in the United States that we actually can't read it all anymore. We can't follow simple directions or run their factory machines. So chlorine and fluoride need to be avoided as much as we possibly can. Also remember, these are halogen compounds. Uh, they're along with bromine. Bromine, chlorine, and fluorine are all halogens along with iodine. And what happens is your, is your thyroid gland thinks that these are iodine when you ingest them, and they really mess up the thyroid function. They can cause massive endocrine disruption, which is your glandular system. They can make you gain weight and feel absolutely awful and sluggish and not even realize that was the reason that happened. By the way, this broadcast this morning is being brought to you by healthmasters.com. That's healthmasters.com, healthmasters with an S, and they're paying for the broadcast, and that is my company that I, that I, uh, I guess I'm the CEO of. And we have learned over the years to bring you the highest quality supplements and research available anywhere. So if you'd like to sign up for my free newsletter at healthmasters.com, you're more than welcome to do so. And there's no cost to it whatsoever, healthmasters.com. And what I'm not going to do on these broadcasts is I'm not going to turn these into infomercials. I refuse to do that. I absolutely refuse to do that. I appreciate your support. You guys know that I'm doing the best I can to tell folks the truth. And if you can support Health Masters, that's great. But I'm not going to give you 15 minutes of why this product does this or that product does that. I'm not doing that. I'm not turning it into an infomercial. I know a lot of other folks that are doing the alternative news right now. They come in, they may have a two or three hour show or a one hour show. And half the time they're doing commercials or having commercial interrupts. Uh, Health Masters has bought the entire clock on this show, so you're not going to be interrupted by advertisers, et cetera, et cetera. We simply don't want to do that. And that's, that's why we've decided to do what we do and, and do the show the way that we're doing it. Now, let's go to the next news story that we want to cover this morning. American, this is, this is brought to us by uh, Julie Wilson. American Dental Association now recommends drugging infants with toxic hydrofluorosilicic acid despite, despite health known dangers. Uh, water fluoridation is a hot topic these days in the U.S. Department of Health and Human Services. Recently, they recently lowered their recommendation for fluoride in public water supplies, which we just mentioned, including a change in policy across the nation as communities scramble to update their fluoride dispersing equipment. You know, it's so funny. Uh, years ago, this was a huge, huge topic of controversy back in the 40s when they started doing it. Now, much of the research seems to indicate that the original use of fluoride was in the Nazi concentration camps in Dachau and all the different concentration because there were many concentration camps. And after we went into the concentration camps in 1945, we saw the research because fluoride kind of tends to make the population servile, which makes them like servant-minded. They want to serve you. They don't want to rebel and infertile. And so uh, this is interesting. We found all this information out in 1945 and in 1946 we started putting it into the water supplies in the United States, which is, seems to be uh, kind of crazy to me that we actually would have done that, but 
It's been in the water supply ever since, and now they're trying to tell us they're giving us too much. <laughs> and so now the government is starting to issue conflicting recommendations on fluoride, and now the American Dental Association is saying that we need to continue giving it to infants. I mean, you know, the whole thing is this. When we have Harvard School of Public Health telling us that fluoride causes a massive drop in IQ scores, I kind of think we need to kind of stay away from this stuff. And I've been talking about fluoride. I mean, I started this top 10 food list. Let me tell you where that came from. Back in the 80s, I was a state licensed nutritionist here in Florida. I worked with thousands and thousands of patients on an individual basis, helping them to lower blood pressure, cholesterol, triglycerides, and blood sugar levels. We'd work with their medical doctors they had to try to help them moderate or to change medication dosing. And we would try to help them to change their diets and lifestyle so they could actually get rid of some of these conditions, you know, and also learn to have a healthy life that would eliminate the high blood pressure, et cetera, et cetera. And what ended up happening is I finally started realizing the vast majority of the people that were coming in the office, they all ate the same types of foods. They all had the same types of health problems. And so we started to gradually to put together a list of these top 10 foods never to eat. And then back in the early 90s, about 25 years ago, I started doing a talk show on the top 10 foods never to eat. I started appearing as a guest all over the United States. That's why I'm so prevalent on the internet because I've been doing this for so long. And what happened is this. I started to realize that when you started cutting out these certain foods, that you started having all kinds of health benefits from the reduction of these foods in the diet. And so that's why we put together this list of top 10 foods never to eat. That's available on YouTube. It's available at healthbastards.com website. It's also available on all kinds of a plethora of emails that we've had that we've sent out to our, to our, to our reader base who do the uh, healthmasters.com free newsletter. Now, let's go back to fluoride again, though. But the American Dental Association now is recommending drugging infants with tox toxic hydrofluorosilicic acid despite the health known dangers. I, I simply say to you this, don't do this. This is nuts. It's not something you want to put in your body. Here's another interesting article. This is, again, uh, by J.D. Hayes, and it says, Mexico, Canada are using the globalist trade organizations to eliminate U.S. food safety regulations. The United States, two neighboring countries, are preparing to level trade sanctions under the rules governing a globalist trade agreement following victory in a recent meat labeling case. In other words, they don't want to tell us what's in the meat. They don't want to tell us what's in the food. They don't want to tell us anything about what we're eating. Actually, eight in 10 Americans want more labeling. Now, let me ask you guys a question. You know, I remember I was watching this old movie, the, uh, I guess it was called The Outlaw Josie Wales with Clint Eastwood. A lot of you guys who are <laughs> past the age of 40, you'll remember that movie. And a lot of you ladies will too, because your husband's probably watched it so much, you had to continually ask them to turn it off. And uh, what's interesting is I remember this guy was selling this tonic on this movie. And it was like a cure-all tonic. And he was like a snake oil salesman. And I thought it was funny because he tried to sell this to an Indian and the Indian asked him, he said, well, what's in it? And he goes, well, I don't know. I'm just selling it. And he goes, well, if you don't know what's in it, you drink it yourself. I don't want it. See, that's kind of the mindset that we used to have in the United States. But now it seems as though it doesn't matter what's in anything. We want to eat it and drink it and cleave to it and attach ourselves to it and all these other different things. And we want to make sure that we, 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 we love this stuff that we're eating that we don't even know what it does to our health. See the food today, It'll sustain your life, but it won't support your health. Does that make sense? In other words, you're getting empty calories that keep the body going, but the body starts to degenerate because we need a certain amount of vitamins and minerals and amino acids every single day in our diet, including a whole bunch of trace elements. And if we don't get those, what ends up happening is we simply can't get the food 
concentration nutrient density that we need so our body starts to degrade. That's why it's so important to take a really high quality supplement because if you don't take high quality supplements, what ends up happening is your body can't get the nutrients from the food because it's no longer in the soil and your body starts to degenerate. That causes degenerative diseases. And see, that's why we've learned as a nation over the years, or we're supposed to have learned, that we really need to be paying attention to what we eat. Let me give you another example. If you have a horse that's a racehorse, let's say you have Secretary and he's about to run for the Triple Crown. It's back, well, I think, 1973 that happened. And all of a sudden, you, you take him out the night before, you go get your horse drunk, and you give him a bunch of junk food, and you have a big party because he's running for the Triple Crown. And then the next day, he's got to perform athletically. You're like, well, you would never do that. You would never treat an animal that way. Well, you're right. But we treat our kids this way. We treat our husbands this way. We treat our wives this way. We treat our family this way. We treat our country this way. We give them all of this food. They have absolutely no idea what's going on with their body chemistry after they ingest this food. So we need to be aware of what we're putting into our systems and avoid it. Next story I want to cover with you here. This is an interesting article. And uh, this was uh, from the Millennium Report. And it says, we're all Greek now. Let me read you part of this. It's from Chris Hedges. And he writes on, the poor and the working class in the United States know what it is to be Greek. They know underemployment and un unemployment. They know life without a pension. They know existence on a few dollars a day. They know gas and electricity being turned off because of unpaid bills. They know the crippling weight of debt. They know that being sick and being unable to afford medical care or proper supplementation or proper diet. They know that the state seizing their meager assets, a process known in the United States as civil asset forfeiture, which has permitted American police agencies to confiscate more than $3 billion in cash and property. The Greeks in the U.S. working poor endure the same deprivations. Now, here's what's interesting. He goes into detail in this article, and I really like this article. It says, the Greek government kneels before the bankers of Europe, begging for mercy because it knows that if it leaves the Eurozone, listen to this, the international banking system will do to Greece what it did to the socialist government of Salvador Allende in 1973 in Chile. It will, as Richard Nixon promised to do in Chile, make the economy scream. The bankers will destroy Greece. If this means the Greeks can no longer get medicine, Greek owes European drug makers 1 billion euros, so be it. If this means food shortages, Greece imports thousands of tons of food from Europe a year, so be it. If this means oil and gas shortages, Greece imports 99% of all its oil and gas, so be it. The bankers will carry out economic warfare until the current Greek government is ousted and corporate political puppets are back in control. You know, you guys need to read this article. It's that important. The international banking cartel, the Rothschild banking cartel, this group of international bankers that met in Jekyll Island in 1910, and put together the Federal Reserve Act, which was passed in 1913. They don't care about you. They don't care about your family. They don't care about Greece. They care about profit. They care about enslaving the masses in the world. And that's what this, these economic hitmen do. They go into these countries and these, these different places, now even in the Eurozone and Greece, and they sign these folks onto a whole bunch of debt out of fiat currency, which they created out of nothing, which cost them nothing. And then they try to force them to pay it back. Now they're saying that they're selling the infrastructure in Greece, the power plants, the bridges, the historical monuments, because of debt. I think they need to do what Iceland did and just default on it all and tell them all to pound salt, start their own currency all over again and throw these guys in jail that have done this to them. This is what's happened to the United States with the, with the two quadrillion dollars in derivative debt now that we have globally on, in U.S. currency. 
This is why several other countries, the BRICS nations, are trying to put together their own World Bank to avoid having to work through the Federal Reserve System anymore. This is really important that we understand that all of this stuff needs to be brought into the open. You know, Representative Ron Paul has talked about this repeatedly over and over and over again. Other members of Congress have joined him now. Uh, Rand Paul has talked about this. And what we need to understand is if we don't change the current system, which is like a giant Ponzi scheme of fiat currency, uh, everybody sooner or later will be so indebted that nobody will be able to pay anything any longer, and the bankers own it all. And uh, it's just, it's just absolutely, uh, it's absolutely crazy. It says, the system of unfettered capitalism designed to callously extract money from the most vulnerable and funnel it toward the elites. This is seen in mounting fines and fees used to cover shortfalls in city and state budgets. Corporate capitalism seeks to privatize all aspects of government service from education to intelligent gathering. The U.S. Postal Service appears to be next. Parents already must pay hundreds of dollars for their public school children to take school buses, go to music or art classes, and participate in sports or other activities. Fire departments, ambulance services, the national park systems are all slated to become fodder for corporate profit. It is the death of the civil society. This is one of the best articles I've ever read. I'm going to tell you the name of this again. I want you guys to pull this up online. It's called um, We Are All Greek Now, The Millennium Report, July the 16th, 2015. Pull the next story up. <laughs> this is interesting. This is another interesting. This is this is a uh, uh, <laughs> this is the name of this article is "All Hail Our Banking Overlords" <laughs> by Chris Martinson. And, and the reason I'm talking about this so much is this: if we don't realize this, see, the whole thing is obfuscation. Obfuscation is to intentionally misdirect or misguide people and not seeing the actual truth and give people in false information. That's what obfuscation is all about. And what we're doing is we're obfuscating the truth of what's happening in the world. This banking system that we've set in, this Babylonian money magic um, banking system that, oh gosh, stuff is centuries old, that is designed to enslave the population. I mean, what did, what did Rothschild say way back in the 1700s? I care not who rules the land, who the president, who the, who the king is. You give me control of money and I will control the, 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 the country. That's a paraphrase, but that's basically what he said. Uh, he, that's, he's exactly right. When you allow them to make money out of nothing through fiat currency and charge you interest on the money they made from nothing to run the banking system over a period of time because of the fractional reserve system and how it continues to make more and more and more money with more and more and more interest due, the whole system becomes top-heavy with debt. And the only way the system could continue to work is additional debt. But the debt can never be paid off because the money that is being used to pay the interest is never being printed. And so you always have debt without money in supply to pay the interest. That's why there's always a shortfall of the M1 money supply. And that's why when you try to balance the budget you start and you, don't, you try not to do any more debt, what happens is the money that's coming out of the economy by the payment of the debt contracts the M1 money supply, which causes the country to go into a recession. Let me give you an example on that, make it simple to understand. Let's say that Bill Gates and Warren Buffett decided to buy the island of Grenada and they decided to lease it to Jim Smith. Okay, and Jim Smith gets to the island and he goes, well, I don't have any money here. So they said, don't worry about that. What we're going to do is we're going to loan you a billion dollars. And Jim Smith goes, okay, wow. So they print their own Grenada currency up. And what happens is the Grenada currency is given to them and they tell they're going to do a rule of 72, which means the money doubles itself as far as interest. They're going to charge 7, 7, 2.7.2%. So in 10 years, 
the money, the billion dollars, will have a billion dollars of interest owed on this money that he gives them, that, that, that Jim Smith has given to run the country, to, to operate the infrastructure, et cetera, et cetera. So what ends up happening is they go in, they loan this billion dollars, this billion dollars, the infrastructure is built. Now 10 years comes back and they're still doing what they need to do. And now there's another billion dollars owed in interest on the money that was given to them at 7.2%. Well, the problem is the only money in circulation is the original money that was printed, which is the billion dollars. The other billion dollars was never put into circulation for the interest payment. So there's no way to pay back the $2 billion. Now you are the original billion and a billion in interest. So now you're like, wow, I don't know what to do. We've got $2 billion in debt here. We only got a billion dollars in circulation. What we have to do is borrow more money from this bank. And what that bank will then do is allow us to go deeper and deeper into debt. That's what happened in 1913. The interest is never printed. Therefore, it cannot be paid back. So this huge debt that we have in all of this interest is impossible to pay back because the interest was never put into circulation. It can't be paid back. So until we fix this system, like Congress is now beginning to realize that so many members of Congress are saying we need to go in and audit the Fed and find out what's, what's going on with all this, quote, hanky-panky and what they're doing, it's not going to be fixed. This is, a, this is an interesting article here by, by Chris Martinson, all hail our banking overlords. And he says, you really have to be paying attention to see what's truly going on these days. The keepers of the system, that is the banking elites, now openly control everything, <laughs> though you never know that by listening to the media. Consider this. The Eurozone backs a $7 billion bridge loan. The Eurozone ministers have agreed to increase a $7 billion bridging loan from the EU-wide fund to keep its finances afloat until a bailout is approved. The loan is expected to be confirmed on Friday by all EU members. In another development, the European Central Bank agreed to increase emergency funding to Greece for the first time since it was frozen in June. The decisions were made after the Greek MPs passed through tough reforms as part of a euro currency bailout deal. How generous are the finance ministers of those EU member states to agree to a bridge loan that will help Greece keep its finances afloat? This should provide the people of Greece with a bit of breathing room, right? Maybe access to their bank accounts finally, perhaps? No, not at all. Here's what the entirety of the loan goes for instead. The bridging loan means Greece will be able to repay the debts to ECB and IMF on Monday. So it's, 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 they're paying back more funny money, more fiat currency, and that's all it's being used for. And so it goes on in detail. You guys need to read this story because it, it's, it's telling you basically this stuff cannot be paid back because it's, not, it's designed not to be paid back. <laughs> let's, shift, let's shift topics again. Five holistic, this is the freethoughtproject.com. Five holistic health doctors are found dead in four weeks. Five more go missing after running with the feds. Uh, this is an interesting one. This is by Jay. They're all interesting, by the way. This is by Jay Sirmopoulos. And they go into the, she goes into detail here. Over the past months, five natural health doctors have either mysteriously died or been intentionally killed, with another five having gone missing under unexplained circumstances. As we previously reported, the curious deaths began on June the 19th when Dr. Jeff Bradstreet, a renowned autism expert from Florida, now practicing in Georgia, was found with a gunshot wound to his chest. Police were quick to claim the gunshot wound was self-inflicted. I don't know how they can say all that, ruling the death suicide almost immediately. And then it goes on to on and on and on about all these other deaths that are occurring. And see, what we need to do is this. I'm not saying that these people were all murdered. I'm not saying they didn't commit suicide. I'm not saying anything. I'm saying it's just strange 
There's so many autistic doctors and holistic health doctors, and all these different people are dying after having run-ins with the federal government. I just think that's, that's, that's odd. But we do know we'll kill American people now without due process with drones. Scientists discover that fasting triggers stem cell regeneration and fights cancer. This is a really good article, and it goes into it. A number of ancient health practices are proving to be effective in multiple, well, multiple ways. We recently posted an article about meditation and how neuroscience can now explain what happens to the brain when we meditate, or we pr I would say pray. Now scientists have discovered the first evidence of a natural intervention triggering stem cell-based regeneration of an organ or system, and it's through fasting. They concluded that fasting shifts stem cells from a dormant state to a state of overall and self-health renewal. This is probably one of the most important articles that you'll ever read. I'm going to give you the name of it again. And it's called Scientists Discover That Fasting Triggers Stem Cell Regeneration and Fights Cancer, June 22, 2014, by Arjun, A-R-J-U-N, Walia, J-U-N, A-R-J-U-N, W-A-L-I-A, and an excellent article. And it goes right back to what the Bible says in the book of Isaiah. It says, if you fast, your healing will quickly appear. And there's another thing, too, that's been shown to increase lifespan. It's called systematic undereating, actually reducing the amount of calories your body needs on a consistent basis and getting your body used to eating less food. It's been shown repeatedly to increase lifespan, especially in animals, uh, you know, in, 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 you know in, in, in mice, et cetera, et cetera. This is what I'm, I'm talking about the animals that are used in, in biological studies. And it's also been shown to be pretty effective with human beings to increase lifespan. In other words, when you're obese and you're eating as much food as you can all of the time and you're gorging yourself all of the time, there's a high probability that your health is going to suffer for it. So you need to learn how to systematically undereat. Learn how to eat small meals every day. Now, here's one of the key things that I always tell people when they want to burn body fat. There's five key things with body fat. Number one, you have to eat six small meals a day. So if you want to weigh 180 pounds and you're a guy, times that 180 by 10, that's 1,800, convert that to calories. 1,800 calories divided by six is six 300-calorie meals a day. If you're a woman and you want to weigh 120 pounds, the same thing would be 1,200 calories divided by six is six 200-calorie meals per day. Now, never go under those amounts because it's important to maintain basal metabolic rate and lean muscle mass. If you start going under that, you start eating into your own tissue. The same thing with drinking alcohol. If you drink alcohol on a regular basis and you're trying to work out to gain lean muscle mass, Alcohol is catabolic. It destroys muscle. It's just unbelievably unhealthy for you. So don't believe this lie about drinking alcohol or red wine and reducing the risks of heart disease. You increase the risks of pancreatic cancer, liver cancer, cirrhosis of liver, alcoholism, osteoporosis, and breast cancer when you drink alcohol. Now, an occasional glass of beer and wine, unless you're predisposed to alcoholism, is not that big of a deal. But remember, 10% of the population is predisposed to becoming alcoholics genetically. They have the, the genetic markers for that. So if they start drinking on a regular basis, like a glass of wine every night, there's a high probability they're going to get hooked on the alcohol. So what I always tell people is this. I've never heard anyone say, my life was a wreck, and then I started drinking, and everything worked out better and a lot better. <laughs> it's the exact opposite. I have people that I know in church who started drinking red wine because a few of these, quote, unquote, Christian doctors have said, that drinking red wine is healthy for you on a regular basis. And they turn into alcoholics. They start going out and buying $500 bottles of wine. I've seen it personally. They bankrupt themselves. They lose their marriages. They lose their careers. I've seen it personally. And so have you. I've, seen, I've never seen anything good come from alcohol consumption. But again, I'm going to say this. An occasional glass of beer, occasional glass of wine. 
it's no big deal because the Bible does not forbid the drinking of alcohol, it forbids drunkenness. And so what you don't want to do, if you're going to drink, if you're not predisposed to alcoholism, do it in moderation and don't do it every day because remember, just one ounce of alcohol will decrease the production of an enzyme called lipase by about 35% of the body. And that, that lipase actually burns body fat instead of storing body fat. That's why you see so many people who drink beer, they get these beer bellies because they don't have that enzyme lipase working in their body anymore and they end up in a situation where they they start getting really, really overweight very, very, very quickly. But anyhow, the fasting is really, really good. Systematic fasting is good. One day a week if you've got health problems. Just make sure that if you're taking medication that you're allowed to fast on the medication. Make sure you check with your medical doctor before you go on any type of extended fast. And never fast without using huge amounts of fluids. That's so important. I hear people saying, well, I'm going to go fast. I'm not going to drink or eat anything for three days. Okay, don't do that. That's really, really, really dangerous. Your blood will get way too thick. You're going to end up dying of with a heart attack, stroke, don't do that. You have to drink large amounts of distilled water or reverse osmosis water when you flat fast, help flush your system out. In addition to that, if you're going to, if you're going to go on a seven-day fast, always you know, make sure you clear that with your physician. And I recommend when you do seven-day fast that you go to a colonic center or get a colonic board and you do colonics, that you clean your intestinal tract out because when you start fasting for extended periods of time, your bowel movements stop because there's no food going through your digestive tract and you really need to keep your intestines clean so you don't have a lot of recontamination re re of the body through the absorption of these chemicals and these byproducts and this cellular respiration, all the things that are occurring that are still being deposited in the colon back through the blood vessels in the colon, back through the hepatic vein, back into the, into the liver. You need to keep your system real, real clean. But we can do a whole show on that later. But I'm running out of time. I'm looking at that right now. So I got a bunch of new stories to cover. Here's another article about new brain implants. This is by uh, Ethan Huff. And it says, new brain implants are so microscopic that you won't even know that you've been implanted. Uh, you know, this whole thing with this mark of the beast and chips, et cetera, et cetera, and the smart dust they're coming out with now, and, and we know that, that we have this geoengineering going on. We know that we have aluminum and barium in the atmosphere that's being sprayed on us, apparently. I guess the only place you can see it coming out of planes. It looks like it's coming out of planes on these contrails that turn into clouds. And I, as a scientist, cause remember, I've got degrees in biology and with, with a minor in chemistry from Florida State. So I spent so many hours in the, in, the, in the chemistry laboratories, you know, I was really hesitant to believe that they would actually spray us with barium and aluminum. I really was. I just didn't want to believe that. But then what happened is back in the 90s, we had a uh, problem with a Mediterranean fruit fly here in Florida, and they actually sprayed us with malathion. I mean, I watched the DC-3 tanker planes fly over the house, open up their valves, and dump a neurotoxin on the entire population of central Florida. It's just kind of nuts. I mean, everyone went ride running in the house and we want to tape our doors shut and everything else until the stuff settled out of the atmosphere. So I know they'll spray us. I know they'll happen with the Agent Orange and all the stuff they did in the Vietnam War and all the side effects from all of that. I know they'll spray human beings. They've done it repeatedly on testing. So I thought, well, there's no way that these chemtrails they're called or geoengineering trails or these contrails that dissipate in the clouds, they can't be real. They wouldn't do that to us. So I thought, but I'm going to check the water. So I had two different rainstorms six months apart. I sent the samples in. I, I used a 500 milliliter, 500 milliliter Pyrex beaker, and I put the rainwater into the beaker. I put the, 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 the out in the open so they couldn't get water back splashed into them. And I took two samples of this rainwater six months apart, and I sent it to a laboratory in California, and I had it tested. And both of these samples were so high in aluminum and barium they weren't considered safe by EPA to drink. Now, where all does aluminum and barium come from? Well, 
I've got, I've got to believe they're an all-out effort to either want to, do, to try to, hopefully, they'll probably tell us to cool off the planet, you know, with this atmospheric merticulate that's going to be reflecting heat back into the outer ionosphere. Maybe that's what they're trying to do. I don't know. Uh, but the problem is they may be using it for their weapon system because I know their scalar, radar, their scalar weapon radar systems work a lot better if the atmosphere has particulate matter in it. So I don't know. Maybe it gives them a better indication of how ground penetrating radar is going to work when they have this stuff in it. I don't know. All I know is that we're breathing it and we really need to avoid all of this stuff. We need to make sure we keep all these other chemicals out of our diet and we need to avoid all of this stuff. So how do I know they're not putting microscopic dust in the stuff they're spraying on us and we're inhaling this stuff? I have no idea. So some, some researchers are saying that that's a possibility. I don't want to believe that that's going to happen, but who knows? Here's another article. Wesley Clark calls for interning disloyal Americans. Now, this is a retired U.S. Army general and supreme, former Supreme Allied Commander of Europe for NATO, and he's on here saying that they should be interning certain groups of people in the United States if they stand against the government. Now, you know, I remember my mom. She was born in 1916 in Germany. And she came over to the United States in 1952 when Germany was still in, 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 in rubble, basically. My father brought her back. He was born here in the United States. His parents had come from Germany in the late 1800s. And I'll never forget this. My dad was born in 1901, by the way. He was 54 when I was born. I'll be 60 in a few months. And I remember my mom used to talk about how they didn't want to say anything when people disappeared. And soon there were people who were disappearing who weren't just Jews, who weren't Catholics, who weren't opposed. They start taking everybody. And, you know, and it's kind of weird to me that we're talking now about locking people up in internment camps in the United States for this, quote, war on terror. And I realized this whole thing in Chattanooga is a tragedy. But, you know, if these Marine Corps guys had been allowed to have guns when they were there, they would have never been shot. They could have shot back. It doesn't make any sense to me that you would disarm a soldier, you know, when there's a possibility of those soldiers being shot. None of that doesn't make any sense to me at all. So the truth is, you know, if we start locking people up and we start ignoring that people's rights are being taken away, how far will that go? How many people have to be locked up first? In Germany, there were millions and millions killed in the concentration camps. And there were millions left alive in the concentration camps after the war. The crazy thing is, the Germans kind of ignored all that and because they didn't want to be involved in it, because they didn't want to be personally taken to the concentration camps. A lot of disinformation going out about all of this stuff. So you guys make up your own mind on that. You already know how I feel. Here's another article, and it's a, it's a whole article that says scientists are making, this is a video, make international appeal on the dangers of Wi-Fi. And it, you know, it goes off to start off Dr. Martin. Blank, PhD of Columbia University, leads a group of concerned scientists in an important appeal about the safety of Wi-Fi and other electromagnetic signals. To put it bluntly, these devices are causing cell damage and ending many of our lives prematurely, and these scientists want you to know about it. The time to deal with this harmful biological and health effects is long overdue. To protect our children, ourselves, and our ecosystem, we must reduce exposure by establishing more protective guidelines. This is a, you can look this up on YouTube, YouTube it's listed under International Scientist Appeal on Electromagnetic Fields, Martin Blank, PhD, May the 11th, 2015. And you know, we're awash 
in this electromagnetic stew that we're in, and it really needs to be eliminated. We really have to reduce the amount of Wi-Fi exposure that we have. I know we have a wireless system in our house, and when we don't use it, we turn it off. I tell the kids, turn off the Wi-Fi. I don't want it in the house. I don't want it turned on. We're on a computer. We're having to go online. It's one thing. When I do this show, this broadcast, I've got to turn on the Wi-Fi. But as soon as I get done with this broadcast, I'm turning the Wi-Fi off. I don't want to be exposed to this stuff in these kind of concentrations on an ongoing basis. Now, I know that this is an interesting one here. Uh, it says, pornography has become a public health crisis, experts say. And this is an article by Paul Bremer. And it says, Washington says, it's about time we took a look at this, took a look at this culture back from the, took, a, took this culture back from the pornographers. Dr. Gail Dines, founder and president of the nonprofit organization Culture Reframed, made this exhortation before a standing room only crowd of congressional staffers, reporters and concerned citizens in the U.S. Capitol in an event held by the National Center on Sexual Exploitation. Dines was one of eight public health experts, social scientists, and legal experts gathered in the heart of the nation's capital on Tuesday for a symposium on the wide range of harms caused by pornography. The National Center on Sexual Exploitation is an organization that exposes sexual exploitation by highlighting the links between pornography, sex trafficking, violence against women, child abuse, addiction, and much more. You know, Dimes even said, we have given up our children to the porn industry and said the porn industry claims to capture customers while they are still young so they can get them addicted to life, given that the average American child is exposed to hardcore pornography by the age of 11. According to the 2007 study, pornographers seem to be doing a good job of hooking children, she said. You know, the biggest problem I have with all of this, besides just the moral implications, is the fact that people don't realize how incredibly addictive this stuff is because it releases dopamine in the brain. And it's almost like they've turned us into a lab rat. And I can go into detail on what happened with the University of Leipzig and Pavlov, and I will on another show, and how they've addicted all of us to this problem action solution and how all of us are being treated like animals in which we're being classically trained with operant and classical conditioning on an ongoing basis to try to force an outcome through the Hegelian dialect. And what's interesting about this is if we don't learn that this is what they're doing to us, we're not going to be able to fix this. This is a major, major problem, and the kids are being used as a victim in this pretty much. Almost out of time. Uh, this, is, this is the article I wanted to talk to you about. This is a letter from WND, and it was a, uh, by Bob Unruh, and it says, Leg, it says a letter that Kagan and Ginsburg, did, Ginsburg acted unethically and unlawfully by not recusing themselves in this case in the Supreme Court on gay marriage. Uh, joining in the call for Kagan and Ginsburg to remove from the case were hundreds of members of the Rabbinical Alliance of America. We join many others who are appalled and deeply ashamed that Ginsburg and Kagan have still not, not had the grace or decency to adhere, adhere to the U.S. Code, which calls upon a justice to disqualify himself in any proceeding in which he is impartially, his, his impartiality might, be reasonably be, might reasonably be questioned, their statement said. This says a Fox News reporter that Kagan performed in 2014, same-sex marriage for a former law clerk, Michael Reek, and his partner. An NPR report again performed same-sex marriage at the Kennedy Center. You know, the thing about this is, is this is just awful. 
that these people didn't accuse themselves. I have a friend of mine who was a judge for years and years and years. I remember one time I talked to him, I said, well, I hope I never come before you in a traffic case for a ticket. He goes, well, I can't hear the case. And I said, well, why not? He said, because I have to accuse myself because I know you because I'm biased in this case. And that's what's supposed to have happened with this, but it didn't. That's what was supposed to happen with this, and it didn't. It's just sad. This whole thing needs to be recalled. It just shouldn't be right. A Nazi Princeton professor, this is a, by, uh, an article by Marilyn Calkins and uh, by Tea Party Command Center. It said the Nazi Princeton professor, government should use Obamacare to kill disabled infants. It's called infanticide. And they're, they're saying now that children really don't know who they are until the age of five and that it should be morally acceptable to euthanize them if there's a problem with them or I guess if the parents change their mind or whatever. We're almost out of time. And the final I want to cover with you this morning was, <laughs> we already talked about this, we'll do it one more time, House backs the Monsanto and, and, uh, and bans the GMO labeling. On Tuesday, the U.S. food companies in Monsanto sealed a critical victory as the House Agriculture Committee approved a measure that bans the mandatory labeling of genetically modified foods in French cities and counties from banning GMO crops within their jurisdiction. This is absolutely nuts. I mean, we had that Monsanto Protection Act that was turned over a couple of years ago, and it's back with a vengeance. Again, this show has been brought to you by HealthMasters.com. Please go to HealthMasters.com and sign up for our free, new, for our free newsletter. And you can learn more and more about health and nutrition if that interests you. And you can also stay tuned on for this broadcast. And uh, we'll be coming to you as often as we can. We're going to be trying to do these every single day. 